0: You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Church. We hope you're encouraged by the following
1: message. Let's jump in.
0: All right, so we're in a series entitled Who is Jesus? And we're taking uh, clips from uh, the Chosen series. If you haven't had a chance to, to see this yet, uh, I encourage you. I think most of them are on Amazon now. Uh, you can get the free app too and watch you know, all of them through that as well. But I encourage you to take some time to watch it, especially the one we're going to talk about today because it's a quite a lengthy uh, clip. And um, there are so many backdrop stories that they put in it to try to, you know, create the storyline that's in the Bible to put, put it into film. It's quite difficult to do, I think, because there's so many things that are in uh, the scriptures. So, you know, you might uh, miss it if um, you just take what I'm showing you today. I'm just taking you one part from one clip. And uh, so in this series, we've been talking about who is Jesus. We've been trying to answer the question, who is Jesus? Like, who is he? You know, a lot of people say a lot of things. I was reading this thing about religion. Uh, just the other day, and I was reading, and I, I came across this um, a study that said, you know, most of the um, most of the religion in the world uh, agree on one thing: that Jesus was a, in some cases they say a prophet. Some actually even refer to him as the Son of God. They actually agree that he was who he said he was, and that he was here, and he did what he said he did. Uh, but they just don 't believe it; <laughs> they still go about their own you know, way of doing it you know and it 's very interesting to me to find that uh, I was looking up some things about Islam and just reading some of the things that they studied, and a lot of people will say, well, they just believe he 's just a prophet. Not true in many of the cases of people in Islam, they believe he is who he says he is they just don 't believe it just, just don 't believe you know from the standpoint of his the resurrection, if you will, you know as we do, so there are components of Jesus that are in so many different things. And what some people say he is may or may not be who he says he is. And it's always important to go back and read the scriptures to see what does he say? What does the Bible say about Jesus? What, what does he identify himself as? Who is Jesus? And so we've talked about a number of different ones. Today we're going to talk about that Jesus is the father. So it's, it's Sometimes it's, um, I guess the idea is that whether it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And because of the Trinity, which we profess as Christianity and Christianity, well, most do. That the, the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we call him the three in one. Meaning that he, we believe God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're not um, stair steps. They are co-equal with one another. But they're distinct from one another too. But yet they are still the same. So it gets kind of <laughs> difficult to try to break that down a little bit. But nonetheless, I say that because when you see the stories of Jesus, there's often a picture that's painted in our world today that if it's God, well, God was in right here. He's in, he's in all this stuff in the Old Testament. Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, fire down from heaven, that's God jesus he's in the red letters he loves everybody you know he's sweet everybody loves jesus and then the holy spirit that's acts and we don't want to talk about him too much so let's just move on to the epistles that's typically the if you ask most people they wouldn't tell you that exactly but that's kind of the culture around us is like well there are parts of christianity i don't understand but the basics of it that they would say i think i know is god's in the old testament he he lightning bolts, fire and brimstone, boom, 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 floods and catastrophe. And he's just an angry person all the time. Like, we couldn't get it together, so he got tired of us and slapped us around a lot and just, you know, started over multiple times. Like, that's that's the way people look at it, right? And then Jesus came and, like, oh, man, he's just this, he's like, you know, your favorite, you know, relative or something. Always, you know, when they come around, they always have a gift for you or something. I don't know. And then the Holy Spirit's like, well... Let's just don't talk about him because we don't understand it anyway, so just leave him alone. He's going to do it, you know, it's just for those other people. It's just, it's unfortunate, really. But that's what the culture has an idea about God. And I dare say that many Christians have very similar thoughts. And overlook this very thing about Jesus that he speaks. And uh, I'm going to show you today the the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And it's going to be a story of uh, miracles and healings. But... I'm not going to be talking about miracles and healings necessarily. I am some, but not... The point today I want you to hear is that Jesus is the Father. Now, John says this about him. Um, in the three years that he ministered and went around doing all the things that he did, this is in John 21-25, that if all the things had been recorded that he did, there would not be volumes enough to contain his miracles that he did. Now, that's what John said, And, you know, if John said it, we all agree. I mean, John's like the one that, I mean, you know, he's one that Jesus loved and all that kind of stuff. So if John said it, you know, it must be right, right? So anyway, but, but, you know, and you understand they're writing on papyrus paper, they're writing on like, it takes time to do all the, um, the writings and stuff. So, John's probably looking at it from some of those aspects, too. If you're today and live in the world of AI, you're probably thinking, well, that's ridiculous. There's, you can print so much. Okay, you have to put yourself in their culture and their time of writing. He's saying, uh, there's no way we could put it in volumes. And we have volumes in the, in the, in the synagogues and in the temple. We couldn't, we couldn't put it into, into writing. So the interesting thing, though, when you think about this, those are all the miracles that we read about, hear about, and see about we love Jesus for. And it's assumed that it's Jesus doing it. That, you know, he's almost like this rebellious son that came down from heaven. God was killing everybody. and He came to help everybody. Like, that's almost, I mean, that sounds sacrilegious, but that's a viewpoint that is often accepted. So let me read this to you in John 14, verse 8. All right, I'll put it on the screen for you, and then we're going to watch a clip in just a moment. Uh, So Philip said to him, to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to Philip, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? Pause for reflection. Philip asked the question, Show me the Father, and and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus said, Have I been with you this long that you don't know me? He says, He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? In other words, so Jesus is saying, why would you ask me to show you something I'm already revealing to you? Like I can't show you any more than I already am because I'm I'm here. And then he goes on to say, "Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative." This is so important. He said, I do not speak these words on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. For truly, truly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than these he will do. Because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that why? The Father might be glorified in the Son. And then Jesus, just to make sure we all are on the same page, he says, If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, when we read that... I bet you there's a number of different thoughts that just went through the room. Anything? Like, you know, <laughs> my youngest might say, if she heard this, she might say, well, uh, let's ask for a new boat. I mean, well, <laughs> new boat, new house, new whatever. I mean, let's just, dad, let's go all out, you know. But you would understand as a person of, that, that if you've any relationship with your kids, you would understand that they might ask you for something. It doesn't mean you're always going to give them what they ask. Because if you're a good father, if your kid is hungry, you're going to feed them. But it doesn't mean they're going to get prime rib every time they're hungry. Am I right? You're going to care for them. You're going to look out for them. You're going to watch over them. But it does not mean as a daddy, a good father, doesn't just give his kids whatever they want. Because that turns into spoiled children. Now, I bless my kids, and I love my kids, and I do all kind of fun stuff with my kids. I will. You know, I mean, and people might say, oh, you just spoiled... You know, I don't care. You don't live in my house, so I don't care. But I, trust me, they are not. They, they have fun and they're blessed, but, but they don't get whatever they want. Believe me. My oldest wants an Audi. It ain't happening, okay? Like, I'm just telling you. That girl, name brand girl, she gets that honest from her mama. Anyway. I'm messing with them all. They're all name-brand girls, every single one of them. I'm like, man, alive. Lord, Jesus, help me. Anything in my name, I will do it. Lord, in Jesus' name, you got to help me, like right here. So so you understand, you can't just give them anything you want. But the, the reality is what he says, though, that is attached to this. He says, anything you ask in my name, I'll do it so that the Father might be glorified in the Son. <clears throat> Understanding, and I don't have time to teach on this, but this is why you need to understand enough of Scripture to know when you pray and ask God for things is it scripturally relevant? You know, like, because if we go selfish on him, we're not going to get stuff we ask for if we're selfish. We're not, you know, I mean, there's just things like that. He knows when we're sincere. So let's just put all that aside for a moment. Let's get to the real root of it is, what happens when you ask for stuff that, you know, you did ask for it in his name and just didn't happen? That's where I think most of us, when it comes to faith in Christ, it gets a little, a little bit of tension you know, right there. And we've all been there. I've been there too. Okay. So just so you understand, pastors are not, um, uh, immune to this. We don't get a pass. Oh no, whatever you pray just happens. It does not. Okay. Um, and I can, I can't explain everything to you. I don't have time, but I can tell you, I've seen God do great and mighty things on one hand, and I've seen prayers being asked and things declared in his name on the other. And, And and over here I see this working and this didn't. Now, I can't answer all those questions. I'm not God. I'm just a man, okay? And I don't understand the intent or the thoughts that go on between people's conversations with God. All I can tell you is what his word says, what the truth of his word says, and I've seen it on both sides, okay? And I'm probably sure you have too. I mean, you've seen things that are unexplainable. You're like, "That's, that's... that's beyond medical, that's beyond nature, that shouldn't have taken place, but God did it, right? So, then on the other hand, I've seen where it doesn't make any sense. So, I can't answer all those questions right now today. I want to focus, though, on the idea that Jesus came to show us the Father. And I want you to think about that when we talk today about this woman who suffered with for 12 years years. That's a long time. So before we stop and go, well, you know, I've been doing this for a week. I've been having this problem for one month now. I'm about tired of it. This lady for 12 years. And don't think that she didn't try everything she could. We'll talk about it some of the scriptures, but when we read it to you a moment, she spent all she had. She been to every doctor in town. She every little thing, nature medicine, m- you know, medical science, anything, whatever. She's tried it all. And she's got no better. Actually getting worse. So for twelve years. So I say that because don't you think that her heavenly father cared about her throughout those twelve years? So it's hard for us though to to figure that out in our mind, it's difficult I'm gonna, i so i got a three girls and like i said if one of them needed something if they were in pain i would do whatever i could do to help them and god's no different so then what explains this and i don't have all those answers all i can say is this is that jesus says if you want to see the father look at him because he's going to give you the greatest example of him, okay. So, some of the miracles that we that you read about that it could fill all these books, they're amazing. But this one, probably, I think it probably captures us and our attention probably more than most. And just give you a little backdrop on this before we watch this clip. Um, so, for 12 years she's going on. This was a, a condition uh, more than likely one translates reads a hemorrhage, but she had a bleeding issue; it, could, it just wouldn't stop. And in their customs. And their law, if you go back and look at Leviticus, and I haven't studied this in, in, in recently, but I can tell you, uh, probably if you've heard about leprosy, you know how in the Bible that was. They say, unclean, unclean, they just freak out, you know. And, uh, and there was for good reason, it, was a, it, was a, it made sense. I mean, when the global pandemic thing hit, th- there was a reason why everybody said, hey, let's stay in the house for a bit, give, give it a couple of days. Because no one knew what was going on. I mean, people dying left and right, no one knew. And that would be appropriate because why? You're trying to contain something. Now, you know, four years later I think it's a bit much, but you understand what I'm saying. But there at the front, you go, if somebody's got the flu, they come around you, they live in ah, ah. What do you do? You go, like, Oh, come here and give me some love. No, you don't. Like you better get out and away from me right now. It's not because you don't trust God, it's because, hey man, common sense says you got something, you got the funk or something, man, you need to, out the door, right? Leprosy was no different. They didn't want to spread, so they kept in a certain area. And then they would do things like for healings, they would have to show themselves to the priest. They prayed, ask God. They had healings that took place in the Old Testament. And when they were healed, they would show themselves to the priest. This would be not, I don't know if I'd say the equivalent of it, but it's pretty pretty doggone close. Same kind of thing, shame, um, you're on your own, no one wants to be around you, you're ostracized, the whole thing. And th- the whole idea comes from, well, how do you even go for healing when you can't get around anybody because you have this issue? And no one's supposed to touch her, she's not supposed to touch anybody because now they're on me unclean. They took it so far, though, that now she can't even get help. Now, guys, there's, there's there's a moment where you go, okay, in the compassion and the mercy of God, yes, he gives Common sense to us all. You got the flu, I don't want to eat with you, okay? Just get better and then we'll talk. But like, look, if you've had the flu for like six months, or there's a problem there. I'm not going to stand away from you and just keep... How can I help you? I mean, I'll wrap up in whatever I got to wrap up and bring some sanitizer with me. We'll get you to the doctor, do what we got to do. But for six months, if you got the same issue, compassion of God and Christ, the love of Christ compels us, Right? We're supposed to engage. They just continued to push away anybody that wasn't just to the T. And that's where we find her. She was desperate on her own, without, alone, broke. Everything you can think of has happened to this poor woman. And so, not only that, she can't go to church. She can't get prayer. In their culture, it was synagogues, so little you know, little churches all over the little neighborhoods. You can't go to the temple. The place where God's presence would, you know, in, in a sense, supposedly would have been there, if you will. She's alone. She can't do anything for 12 years. So I say that because when I show you this clip now, I wanted you to get this, this idea. She is so desperate, so alone, and so, I would say, probably miserable that she is at the end of her up, She's on the edge, if you will. She's at the last bit of what she's got left to try anything and everything to get better. So this clip is a little bit long, so enjoy it. But um, uh, try to just put yourself in the position of understanding who is Jesus? He's the Father revealed to us in Jesus Christ. All right, so uh, guys, go ahead and show the clip and just enjoy this. It'll take a few minutes. So I want to read you this scripture it says, And as Jesus returned, the people welcomed him, for they had all been waiting for him. This was after he had healed the madman of Gadara who was walking around the graveyards uh, possessed by the demons. Verse 41 says, And there came a man named Jairus. He was an official of the synagogue, so he's a church leader. And he fell at Jesus's feet and began to implore him to come to his house. For he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, as Jesus is going, the crowds were pressing against him, and a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone. I want to say, in the Old Testament, there were healings that took place. There were healers. Uh, there were more than enough miracles. It wasn't that... In their culture, they were much more believing in the supernatural than we are. We, we think we know something because of some history we've got in America. Nothing wrong with that. I thank God for our history. But... Uh, what we think we know about God moving, uh, these individuals believed in great supernatural moves. So much so, they literally believed completely that angels would be present, that they would see things, that God would heal. They, it, it was much more of their believing in these things, in which probably um, helped them and also hurt them. Because it, you know, it could be pretty gullible and get fooled by some things. At the same time, it says... She couldn't be healed by anyone, though. Verse 44, she came up behind him, touched the fringe of his cloak, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, Who's the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone did touch me, for I was aware that power had past tense gone out of me. Now, I'm going to read some more in this. But when the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him. And now she'd been immediately healed. And he said to her, look, what? Daughter. Now, Jesus is considered a brother of ours. Why would he use the word daughter? Because he need to remind her you are a daughter of God. In their culture, it's not like ours. We, we have this such, sometimes this, I would say, we, we call it honor, but it's really not. It's religion. We don't want to say we're a son of God or a daughter of God because we think that's inappropriate. And I'm just telling you, it's inappropriate for you to walk around and say you're not one if you're a Christian. Because in their culture, in the Jewish culture... They understand they are sons and daughters of Abraham, which Abraham is a son of God. They understand the blessing of God on them. They don't question it. They they completely agree with God. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. But I want you to think about this. He says, someone did, verse 46, someone did touch me, and I was aware that power had gone out of me. She did not talk to him. She reached out touched the little, you saw the the tassels on the end of the the priest. A lot of times they have these little things, and... Is designated thing, and, and they took it too far. The pre, They wanted to make a show of it, so their stuff was really long and adamant. I mean, it was just this, it got to be gaudy and all this stuff to say, oh, look at me, look at me. More than likely, that's probably more realistic of what it looked like. Jesus would not have made a show. But this lady... There's nothing in the Bible about. I mean, there's some references in the Old Testament, yes, but there's nothing that tells you, hey, you want to be healed after 12 years of suffering? Go touch a piece of thread on somebody's clothes. There's nothing that direct. She just put her faith out there that this would take place. But the thing I find interesting is she didn't ask him. She didn't ask if it was okay. And he didn't, he was unaware, it the way that the scriptures read, it even says, I was aware that power had gone out of me. But he was unaware that she was behind him, apparently, or beside him. When it happened, then he knew. Hold on a minute. What just happened? This is a very interesting thing. So I want to share another verse with you. Luke five seventeen. This is the story where they let down the man that was um, through the roof tore up these people's house (laughs) these four crazy friends dropped them through the thing because the house was full couldn't get in scripture says one day he was teaching jesus was teaching and there were some pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of galilee judea and from jerusalem that means the whole bunch is in the house now if you've ever had to preach or speak to anybody let me just tell you something it's one thing to have to preach and speak. It's another thing to have to preach and speak to people who are trying to track your every word. Man, these folks were... Not all of them. Now, there were some good guys there. Like, you know, maybe Nicodemus there. Maybe Joseph Marimathia. Who knows? There were some good guys that were there. But for the most part, they didn't like Jesus. And they're sitting there listening to him. You, you just say one thing, buddy. We're going to get you. But it says, In the midst of all these doubters, unbelievers, and these legalistic individuals, watch this, the power of the Lord... Was present for him to perform healing. Now, I'm saying this because I, what does it have to do with the Father? Well, I'm gonna share with you in a moment. The power of the Lord was present to heal. Doesn't say anybody else got healed but the guy who was let down the roof. Doesn't say anybody in the crowd was healed but the woman who touched the fringe of his, his garment. Didn't change the fact that the power of the Lord was present while they were in the room. Now, I wonder sometimes if we get so accustomed to Christianity, we forget that it's not about a preacher, a speaker, musicians, or us in the room. It's about him. And I wonder sometimes how we forget that in this room right now, no matter where you're at on the faith spectrum, the power of the Lord is present. Amen. That he himself, he said, I will be present where two or three gather in my name. Well, there's more than that in here. Well, that means if he's here, then well, everything that, about him is here. The power of the Lord's present to heal. Present to, and it doesn't mean that it's going to take place, it just means it's present. And sometimes that's, a, that's a, I will say, for me, Sometimes I forget when I go to meetings or things that, you know what? Hey, the Lord is here. We're not just here to do a Bible study, do a little thing. He's here. And so that means what? That means if you want to talk to him, if you have a prayer request to him, don't overlook the fact that he's here. So, well, I don't feel him. Well, apparently you don't have to feel him to make it true. And apparently you don't have to have a miracle or see a miracle to make it so, because in this room, before the man was let down, the power of the Lord was present. And they did not know it. I say that because of all the people in the room, this man was the only one that we read about that was healed. This one was the only one in the crowd that was healed that we read about. Maybe there were others, but we weren't given all the information. And the question I have this morning about us when it comes to the Father is this is where is my faith? Now I'm not talking about three steps to a better you or ABCs of this and four five three on that. I'm not trying to give you a formula, an equation, or an algorithm. Okay, that's all. You want to talk of all that stuff? You can talk to Haley about like all the math stuff she's teaching our kids. Like it's just she did a page of the night. She was in the bed at eleven o'clock trying to figure out what was it called. Physi- what Ken? Whatever. It's like I did not know there was a word in math called Ken? Kenum, What science? See, I'm not even on the same like. She had a page, and then she looks at me, oh, this is funny, she looks at it all, and it's, there's angles, there's numbers, there's letters, and in my world, numbers go on one page and letters go on the other, okay? Just, sorry, I'm not, I know math, but to me, I don't need, anyway. So she says, but you do it all the time, you build stuff, you do angles, you do this, you, I'm like, yeah, but it's, it makes sense to me. What is all that? She gets done, she looks at me, there's a page and a half of it. It looks like something from like a beautiful mind. You ever seen that movie, R- Russell Crowe? It's like stuff everywhere. She looks at me, hands it to me and goes like, well, you're really good at this. Don't you think you could help her? I laughed at her. I said, honey, <laughs> I'm sorry. If you're stumped at 11 o'clock and you two pages of that, there's no help for the child. She's, she's, she's not getting it from me. You better get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not talking today about formula. That's not what this is. I'm asking you, where's your faith? For the woman, for whatever reason, she put her faith, if I just can touch, that was where her faith was. For the guys who let down the guy on the the top of the roof, there's nothing, I don't get it. To me, I would have just said, hey man, let's just wait till everybody leaves. I don't want to fix the guy's roof. But these guys were crazy. They just tore the roof off, let him down. There's nothing, that's where their faith was. So, I'm asking you, where, where is your faith? It's not about a formula. It's, it's about what are you trusting God and how right now. Maybe for you, it's all about prayer. That's great. Maybe for some of you, it's like you've got a favorite scripture you're quoting. That's great. It's whatever you've attached right now, your faith to God in whatever way the scriptures teach you. There's really not a great, there is some things you can learn and some things you can teach, but this whole thing of a formula, if I do this, And then plus that, and if I do that, then God will answer me. Doesn't that sound a little weird? I mean, it's kind of like pulling the lever with God. I think God's much more aware as he, if we understand him as a father, my kids don't need to pull a lever with me. Matter of fact, when they try, I know they're pulling it. And then when they start pulling the lever, what do I say? Uh Uh-uh. We're not playing those little reindeer games. Why don't you just ask me, what do you need? Just tell me. What do you need? I'll put this quote here for you, okay? I'll put it on the screen. Regardless of how God moves in your life, as your father, have faith that he can and will move in your life. Move it up for a second. As your father. Not as a genie in a bottle. We're not trying to, you know, you get three wishes. It's in a formula. It's... He looked at this... Daughter, your faith has made you whole. He recognized he was unaware until she touched the hem of his garment. Then power released. So you can't say Jesus taught her this. This lady was desperate. So here's a question this morning. Am I desperate? So, say, well, what do you mean, Pastor? What does it mean to be desperate? Well, for her, it means that she was at the end of a rope, if you will. She was at the edge of all Reason there's like this has got to work, and the word desperate is an interesting word. It means in great need of, urgently requiring. In great need of, urgently requiring. Matthew five six says this: Blessed are those who are hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So here's the thought I have: You know, if you've ever worked outside during the summer in Georgia, listen, it gets hot sometimes, and it, if you've ever been out there, like where I live, sometimes I'm out, you know, at our barn. So I'm, you know, a hundred yards from the house and, and I'm dead tired. Like I'm just, and I'm so thirsty and there's nothing there, you know, down there. Now you may think this is gross and I'm a germaphobe. Okay. But it's my water hose. So it don't matter, man. There ain't nothing like cranking the water hose and just in there. I mean, just getting water. Cause when you're so thirsty, you don't care. If it comes out of a water hose, when you're really thirsty, it don't matter to you. Now, if you look at me and go like, oh, I wouldn't do it. Well, then you ain't never been that thirsty. (laughs) Now see the difference. See, there comes time real hunger doesn't complain about what you give them. Here's how you'll know if somebody's really hungry when they say, thank you. If somebody's really thirsty and you give them something to drink and they say thank you, now you know you found somebody who really appreciates us. If they look at it and question it, they're not really that hungry or that thirsty. And i found this to be true in my own life. Am I desperate enough to actually go before God and say, Lord, this is what I need? Am I desperate enough to do it? You know, if I'm hungry, I don't really ask for salt. I mean, Haley's made me a sandwich. I've been so hungry working outside. I'll be down there. And she thinks it's so odd because I do this. But if you, you know, if you work outside, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's different. If I'm working out there, man, I've been out in the yard, and I just got dirt on me. If she makes me a sandwich, I'll eat it right then. I don't even wash my hands. No not care. Because it's dirt. I don't, it doesn't, it's not the same as touching doorknobs in a building. <laughs> right, I'm going to wash my sneaking hands three times after that. You know? She thinks it's hilarious. She's like, I don't understand you. You know, you're such a contrarian. You know, you just, you, you, you just eat a sandwich right there. Drink out of water. But we'll go somewhere and you... I'm like, yeah, because to me, the test of a place where I go to eat is like the restroom. I'm going to go in the restroom and see how clean is it. If it's super clean, I might could go with some grilled food. But if it's dirty, I'm getting fried all day long. All day long. Because to me, that's a mark. If the restroom's not clean... I don't want to eat what you got on the grill. Just a thought. That means I'm not real hungry. You know what I'm saying? If I'm hungry, that stuff goes out the window. If you've ever seen somebody really hungry, man, when I want Steve Holsinger, I'm going to tell you something, y'all. I've seen people as in need before, but I've never in my life seen humanity in such need. And, you know, I felt a little... Uh, what do you say? Uh, I felt a little guilty. I had to kind of get over it. Because here we are in the morning eating fried eggs. And uh, off of a hot rock. He and I having, you know, fried eggs and some hot instant coffee. And some, like, biscuits. That was every morning for breakfast. And we were over in Sudan, South Sudan. And, and I walk outside. And they're not getting the same thing. You know. At night, we're having lentils and hot, you know, water and lentils and whatnot, and they do some chicken for us. But the chicken legs, you know, like when you go to the store today and you see these chicken legs, you know, you get... And chickens look like they've been working out, right? You know what I mean? They got... It's like the chicken was showing off before it was butchered, like... Those chickens over there... I'm telling you, I'm not making this... You could ask Steve, I'm not... There's probably more... My thumbs almost have more meat on them than those legs, and I felt so bad because I thought, "Well, this chicken—they're killing this chicken—and now that it maybe don't have eggs anymore. Now what?" It, it was just a hard, conflicting thing, and 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 I just I mean, when you're hungry, though, you don't care. When you're thirsty, you do not care. You want to be filled. You'll do whatever it takes. So I'm asking you this morning: Am I desperate for God to move? And whatever it is, I'm, I'm, I need, have need of. And here's the last thing I want to show you this, this morning. Is, is If that's the case, then will I ask God? And I'm saying this from the standpoint of our Heavenly Father. And what I want you to think about right here is this. <clears throat> will I ask God this morning? And by the way, I'm going to ask our worship team if they'll come on up. Because we're going to, we're going to take some time for you to ask God. Okay? So as they're coming up and plugging in stuff... Um, I want you to hear my heart on this, okay? I could, if you wanted me to. Look, I'll break some stuff down to you, okay? I can break down some faith for you and give you some ABC. I can, man, I can, brother. Listen, I can do it. If you really want me to, I'll go that way with you. I just break it all down, but that's not going to help right this moment. That that takes a couple of sessions and some time to explain in detail some of the things about faith and what it means. But throughout the Bible, you'll find these individuals, people like Abraham, by faith. What does it mean by faith? Well, by faith, he left his father and mother's house. He went to a land that God would show him. That's it. There wasn't no, he had no map. He didn't have a GPS. Now, outside of him, then there's Samson. Samson, not the same kind of situation. But by faith, he destroyed the, the Philistines who were Pagans, not because they weren't nice people, they were child murderers, okay? They they were ungodly people. Samson finally destroyed them all. By faith, he trusted that God would do more through him at the end than God ever did through him in in the middle when he was messing up so much. But at the end, he got everything together. By faith, you could pick others out. Samuel had to give words from God to people that didn't like it. Isaiah, by faith... We had to pin down different things that were messianic prophecies that... Guys, do you understand? I, don't, I can't remember the total number in Isaiah alone, but there are the prophetic words of Isaiah alone to be fulfilled by a man are impossible. Just in Isaiah. Imp- it can't be done. You, you just can't make it happen. But Jesus, he did not only Isaiah. He fulfilled Daniel, Isaiah, Genesis, you go through any way you want to. He's done them all. It is impo- that math that my wife does—that's crazy with science and A's and has got numbers and letters mixed together. Not possible mathematically to do what Jesus did, but he did it. So when I say that to you by faith, will you ask this morning? You don't need. So I'm going to give you a formula. I'm asking this morning. Just what is it that you want to ask God for? For some of you, it might be something as simple as, Lord, I just want my kids to follow you. And that's all. For you, money's not an issue. You're like, you know, God's always blessed me. I, I, I'm not, I could care less about, I just want to know that the generation of my family will go forward with, with Christ. Then ask him for it. For some of you in here, maybe it's a financial. Maybe you need God to move some, some things for you Then ask him. Maybe others in here, it may be, you know, physical. It might be, you know, relationally. And, and then I want to say this as you're asking. Um, if you've asked before, and whatever you asked God for did not happen the way that you thought it would or it didn't happen at all, can I encourage you that this woman here for 12 years kept saying, for 12 years, you're talking about faith. By faith, she touched the tassel, but I'm looking at it, by faith, she kept like going. That takes a depth there that's, that's, you know, tenacious. But she kept saying, trying to get in touch with Jesus. I don't need a prayer. I don't need him to anoint me. All I need to do, if I just touch that thread, that's all I need. And that will be enough. That's faith. And there's no formula for that, by the way. That's a personal thing with you and your God that says, Lord, this is what I'm asking for. And I'm trusting. Where is your faith with God right here this morning? So as we worship God and as we come before the Lord, let me pray for you. And I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet this morning. In this next song, we're going to sing, we're going to worship. And if you do need prayer, um, we can have some of our prayer team. They can come down front, and they'd be glad to pray with you if you need prayer. Um, from an individual that can agree with you in prayer, we can do that. Um, so uh, if you're here one of our prayer team members, if you guys want to come down front during the song of worship, we'll do that. Um, but I just would encourage you, before you do... Uh, ask for a prayer from someone else stop for a minute and ask god like You know lord What do you What do you What do you want this morning from god god i'm asking you this morning Lord here's what is in my life And it's before you this morning and i'm not trying to impress you with my theology I'm, not trying to impress you with my knowledge of your word I'm, not trying to act like i'm more spiritual than I am I'm, just going to bring it before you right now and say Lord Here's my situation. And I'm desperate. And I'm asking you today to move in a mighty way in my family or in my life, my business, whatever it might be. So, in attitude of worship, just with your eyes closed right there, can I pray for you before we begin to sing? Dear Lord Jesus, <clears throat> I come to you right now. And as you said in your word, right now, we just acknowledge that the power of the Lord is present. Whether we feel you or we don't, it makes no difference. That the power of the Lord is present. That you are in this room because you said if any two or three would get together in my name, you would be in the midst of us. And so, oh Holy Spirit, I ask you to minister to people right now. Father, I ask you to work in whatever way is needed this morning. Because I know you want to, Lord. You're a gracious God filled with mercy and compassion. You're a good, good Father, and so we thank you today. God, I ask you to speak to hearts right now. So now we pray with your eyes closed just right where you are. We're going to worship, and I just want to remind you when we worship that a posture of worship is a posture of surrender. You can lift your hands, that's fine. Maybe you don't want to lift your hands, I understand, but in some way or another, a moment of surrender for God in this time of worship that you should yield your life if you want to lift your hands that's totally appropriate we'd love for you to lift your hands and worship and surrender close your eyes that's fine too but I'm asking you to step in and engage more with God in worship right now as you're asking him Not to be, don't, don't be just watching if you need the screens that's fine for the words but don't look around at other people take this time you're being given right now with your heavenly father and say, Dad, this is what I need. I'm asking you to come through for me in Jesus' name. So Let's go to God and worship. Let's ask of the Lord this morning.
1: Don't leave here this morning without... If you need that power that's in this room today, don't leave this room today if you need Jesus to do something in your life. I'm going to encourage you to come down, one of these prayer partners would love to pray with you guys after service, but we need to step out in faith. The Bible says just the faith is as big as a mustard seed, where two or three agree it'll be done. So I'm not going to encourage you today, don't leave this room if you need the presence of God to do something in your life today. Thank you so much. I want to remind you of a couple things here before we go. Um, giving. Um, we talk about what we do with our money here. And I want to remind you that as a church, that we tithe our income as well as we ask you to do that. The word the asks us to tithe. So one of the things we do, if you drink coffee out here, you've noticed there's stickers on there. It says we buy it from this place called Hope Coffee. And it's from different places in Mexico, Honduras, Guatemala. And it's just not. We don't do that. It's good coffee, by the way. Um, But we do that because what they do with that money is they provide fresh drinking water for places there. They provide for preaching the word, preaching Jesus to people there, too. So that's why we do that. Your giving supports that. Every cup of coffee you drink here uh, supports that. Also want to remind you that um, as you leave, remember the women's event coming up on October 13th. Sign up for that. Um, If you're going to stay for Catch the Vision, Um, it's right after service, about 10 minutes after, um, stay around for that as well. So just going to encourage you again, once again, before you go, if you need anybody to pray with you, these folks are going to be up here, um, and we'll be here as long as you need to be. So we're going to send you out with the blessing out of numbers. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. God bless you. Have a great, great week. We hope you were
0: blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.